Welcome to the Hope Sheds Light Rise with Hope podcast. I'm Pam. This season, I hope you join us for the Recovery Speak series. Each month, my guest and I will take a deep dive into the topic of recovery. We hear a lot about addiction, but in the Recovery Speak series, we will learn what recovery is, what it looks like, how it shows up in our communities, families, and friends. We will take a special look at how stigma can stand in the way of hope and healing and what some people are doing to overcome that. Please join us as we tackle the real issues, share actual experiences, offer a little strength, and provide a whole lot of hope. Welcome to the Rise with Hope podcast. My name is Pam. I'm the CEO at Hope Sheds Light, and I'm very, very excited uh, today to introduce Allison to our audience. Allison, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, So as I explained, our Rise with Hope podcast is really just our way of reaching a broader community to have a dialogue uh, about substance use disorder and the many ways that it can impact a person's life and where that impact takes you, uh, what journey you go on and uh, what your experiences have been so that we can build a community uh, of individuals uh, and a community of support and a broader understanding, honestly, of uh, what it means to be a person who has had um, addiction touch their lives. So Allison, I just wanna thank you for being with us. And I wonder if you're comfortable to share just a little bit about your experience with uh, addiction and how it's affected your life. Yes, I'm I'm comfortable and I I thank you for saying that People come from you know all walks of life and all perspectives, because if you and I had had this conversation even five short years ago, I, I would have felt totally clueless about addiction and how it impacts others' lives. And I I say that with a naivete that is a bit embarrassing. I, I worked in a university community for 15 years, and I'm certain there were people who were suffering from substance abuse disorders, and I, it really wasn't part of you know, my job or my understanding. So I, I, I didn't have a very good idea. And it, it wasn't until uh, our church leadership, so I'm part of the Methodist church, and our church leadership was working with the uh, district attorney of Ocean County and said, look, we have a role in um, helping people understand about addiction and and, resources that are needed and things like that. So we were invited to a council with the district attorney to understand, you know, what was happening in Ocean County. And I went as a a lay leader in the church and um, we were talking about some of the resources and Hope Sheds Light came up. And we invited Steve Willis to our church to have a talk about this problem that was happening in Ocean County. In the meantime, my youngest daughter um, had finished law school, uh, moved to a a job in northern New Jersey and was struggling uh, with alcohol. And Mm -hmm. I knew that she was struggling. I thought that there were, um, you know, some depression issues, some just life transition issues going on. I knew that she was seeing a psychiatrist. And so I thought, you know, this is a problem. She's working on it. She's fixing it. And then, you know, Steve um, introduced us uh, to, again, a lot of um, personal stories and a a lot of things in our community that were going on. And 
honestly, my daughter was in the throes of active addiction. And it wasn't until we started to see this from the Hope Sheds Light perspective that we knew that she had a serious problem. Uh, she well, took- Allison, I'm just going to ask you a question right there. Uh, two questions. About what time frame was this? 20- About uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. So, we were, so the heroin epidemic was ramping up in, you know, in Ocean County during that time period. Um, but also, how did it feel for you, like that aha moment where you, this information is now coming in from another professional person who, you know, did that impact how it hit you to just hear that story from, you know, a, appear the way I'm sure Steve appeared as a peer to you. Um, and how did that feel for you in the, like in the moment where, where you started to think, gee, maybe, maybe my daughter has something more significant going on. It really was an eye-opening experience. And so this was, you know, a, a, a coffee session in a, a church fellowship hall. And here he had the courage to share a story that seemingly was very sad to us, but that he was willing to take his time to, to share with us and to, you know, share his healing and his story. I, I, I thought, wow, you know, that's somebody with a lot of courage and especially somebody who's been through trauma, but that he's willing to share this information. And I found very quickly that there were a lot of people in the church who were suffering because they had a loved one, you know, an adult child, a, you know, a, a spouse or, you know, a, a relative that were suffering. And I thought, you know, this has a lot to share and grow for the people who are experiencing these troubles. We can help each other. Right. And I didn't really know, you know, how things would unwind, but um, you know, my daughter was really in a bad way and she really wanted to isolate herself and to be away from us. And I, I knew that that was not the way that this um, should be. And uh, my husband, Ray, and I went to a couple of um, Hope Sheds Light sessions at the Presbyterian Church because the um, House of Hope wasn't built yet. And we went to a couple of those sessions and it was very difficult for me to hear the pain and the stories that people were sharing. So Ray and I actually um, started seeing a therapist together because we really didn't know what to do as parents. And we have been parents for a very long time. As I I mentioned, my daughters are youngest. So we've been parents for well over 30 years and um, never you know, came up against something that we didn't know how to deal with. So with our therapist's help, uh, we started to understand um, a little bit more about the, the way we should react and, you know, understanding the technology and the fact that we were enabling and not necessarily helping um, by relieving our daughter of her responsibilities, either financially or emotionally. So uh, we you know, went to regular therapy sessions and started to understand a little bit more about the role that somebody supporting someone in addiction should play. Sometimes, right, as a parent, that it feels counterintuitive, right? And we want to rush in and surround our kids with as much loving support as we possibly can. And, you know, 
how was that for you and Ray to sort of learn a new way to love and support? Because it's not about removing all love and support. It's about, in my, from my belief, you know, a new way of doing that. Um, was that your experience as well? Oh my gosh. Um, so in a new way, um, not only as parents, but as um, professionals, Ray and I were in the analysis and fixing business for, you know, <laughs> professionally so to, you know, come up against something that we really didn't know how to fix was so overwhelming. And I, I can remember sitting in sessions and thinking, okay, if I approach it this way, then I can get her to change her behavior. So my misunderstanding was that I was trying to teach her how to change and my role was to get her to change. And that was so incorrect. My role was to get myself to change and to understand better how to support someone in addiction. And that's not to say that you don't support them, you love them, you hope to get them to the the resources and the professionals who can actually aid in their recovery, but you're not doing it for them. And wow, what a change in, in the way we were thinking about life and parenting and support. Right. How old was your daughter? Well, this because she was already through law school, right? You said. Yeah, she, and she had been practicing. So she, um, she had been practicing law when um, she was in the the very active addiction stage. Uh, she took a leave of absence, and I'm I'm proud of her for doing that because it's it's not you know true to your profession to have mm-hmm. a, a significant problem and and not address it. So she was um, now on a leave of absence. Um, she was 27 years old, you know, going on 28. And, um, you know, at some point her money ran out. And so she was, you know, not able to go back to working and supporting herself. And we did um, have, we did pay for her insurance so that she would have insurance and our strategy when she you know, would come to us was you can't come home and boy was that very difficult for us because wow you know in the winter in you know southern even southern New Jersey it's not a fun place to um, be outside and we said we will take you to the hospital we will take you to any rehab facility that you would like to go to and and has space for you but you cannot come home and I, I just felt terrible having to, you know, put down that, you know, line in the sand that said, you know, it's it's up to you now to take care of yourself. You, and and what kind of support did you guys need? You and Ray need to, to sort of draw that line in the sand. I have to say that we had support from a lot of places, and I, I feel very blessed to have support. Um, we had a very strong faith going into this, but we relied on our faith, our pastor, our friends were very supportive, and um, our our family was understanding, you know, that this is the tact we're taking so that we can assist Betsy. I, I really um, feel that our, our faith was such an important part of our survival because having to admit that you don't have control and that you're not orchestrating everything that's going on is again, a very hard thing to admit. 
So if, if you can strengthen your faith and rely on God, I know people say a higher power. If you, if you start to understand that, it helps you come to grips with, with why this isn't your job. This is not your responsibility. So I, I, I do feel very grateful that our, our pastor was supportive. Um, you know, Ray and I were on the same page. I, I know sometimes that, you know, husbands and wives or mothers and fathers are not always on the same page as to how to help someone in active addiction. So again, one more thing for us to be grateful because we, we were in agreement and we were a team so we could support each other as well as, as take support from our faith and our friends. And, you know, over time, hope sheds light. Um, it sound, you know, what's resonating for me in your story is the word courage keeps popping up for me. Like the idea that it took so much courage for your daughter to step back from a, a probably, you know, successful and challenging career that took her years to, you know, acquire that level of um, professionalism and for you and Ray to address this head on. Um, so it sounds like courage is, is, is a theme here. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, we're in the middle of ourselves of what we're calling an anti-stigma campaign and, you know, recovery speaks and we want to hear these voices of recovery. Did um, stigma or shame that, you know, or fear that usually is how we define stigma, did that have a role uh, in how you moved through this? And, and was that something that you had to face in order to find this courage that I hear in both in your story? You know, I, I believe this the stigma has a lot to do with, um, I'll call it ignorance, not in a, a way of not being smart, but ignorance in a way of not knowing, not having the information. And, you know, part of the stigma is that, you know, this is so bad and, you know, only bad people, you know, get caught up in addiction. And we know that's not true. But the whole idea of, of not understanding, you know, what's necessary and what somebody has to go through is, um, yeah, that is that is part of the stigma, and it was very difficult for us. I I can't tell you how grateful I am that our friends were supportive. They they weren't judgy. They weren't um, oh gosh, you know, we don't want to be with those folks because their daughters, you know. Mm-hmm going off the edge. So we had very understanding friends, life, you know, lifelong friends that have stuck by us. But I will tell you that as a very educated person, I I have a PhD in in industrial organizational psychology, and I have a master's in business administration, you know, and again, I've, I've had so much education. And when our daughter was first trying to find her way, I'll say back to herself, she committed to going to detox. And we thought, okay, first of all, you know, detox makes sense. You know, how long is that? You know, what does that entail? And we took her to a detox facility in Northern um, New Jersey. They had a bed for her. And we thought, okay, that's it. She's she's good after seven days. And come to find out that after seven days of detox, you need an aftercare plan that really should involve some rehab. And 
she was done with detox. I guess she felt well enough that she didn't need anything else. She was going to, you know, do all this on her own. And, you know, a day after she was um, out of detox, she was, um, you know, back drunk and, you know, without a lot of options. So, you know, once again, from our perspective, we needed the courage to say, can't stay home. You know, you have to, you know, other kind of help. And, um, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't so willing to go into a rehab program right away. Um, She actually spent um, several days in her car. Um, She sent, she spent several days in hotels, um, just, you know, isolating and drinking. And I will also tell you that there were multiple times that we were called to emergency rooms because they didn't think that she was going to survive. So it it just. Worst nightmares unfolding, you know, before your eyes. And, and you're you're powerless, right? Because you know now there's a medical situation in front of you, and you know the doctors are saying not even sure that this is going to um, you know end well. So it was um, very difficult, and I'm not even sure we had enough time to analyze it and say, "Gosh, this is you know got a stigma attached to it, and, and we need to be worried about that." Our worry was, is she going to survive? And I think. You know, it might be interesting for our audience to hear that we're talking about alcohol. You know, our our world is consumed with the epidemic of the, you know prescription drug and heroin epidemic. However, I, sometimes I think we forget that alcohol is is lethal. Like the the detox process in particular uh, is so medically dangerous that people die during that process if they're not properly cared for, and even depending on the severity even if they are in proper medical care, sometimes that's not enough. And that's, you know, alcohol we're talking about. So, um, you know, it's, I just wanted to bring that to light actually for our audience to remember that we're talking, your daughter's drug of choice was alcohol, you know, and we're still in a situation where you were faced with this realization that it was possible you would lose your daughter to this disease. I know this is probably an awkward you know, timing maybe on this question, but, you know, fast forward us now uh, to where you are today in your and Ray's recovery journey, um, as well as your daughter. And are there any um, nuggets or, you know, what, what's something good that potentially has come through this journey for all three of you um, as a family? Is there a gift in here somewhere that we can share with our audience? I, I feel like there are, are several gifts. And so, you know, once again, we, we talk about gratitude and, and being grateful for the experience of this horrible addiction that um, my daughter has. And one thing is that Ray and I were able to um, have a stronger bond. And, you know, we've been married 30 years and you think that you have a strong bond, but when you face adversity and you come out the other side, you have a, have a stronger bond. So that, that is a, a blessing. We also had a, a close relationship with our daughter growing up. Um, we're a blended family. So her older siblings were not with us all the time. And um, she's significantly younger than her older siblings. 
So the three of us were close, but we are closer now because we understand that, you know, facing adversity, we, we can work together and, and things can be better on the other side. My other um, personal, and I, I, I think Ray feels this way too, but I'll let him speak for himself, but understanding the support of God and God's role in our life is so very important to me. And I, I always have been, you know, a church goer and a volunteer at church. And I, you know, have, have believed in God my whole life, but now I have an understanding of how important we are to God. That's all right. Are you with us too? No, he's not here. <laughs> oh, I thought I heard. I thought I might have heard rain. <laughs> no, I, I said you know I would I would be willing to talk to you, and he said, well, I'm I'm willing to talk to her, but I'm just not ready yet. And I said, well, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, I think whether you refer you know to this and source that you're referring to as God or higher power or whatever the word is that you use. For me, my experience with my recovery journey, that that was such a blessing for me. It came through a side door, you know, or a back door, not in the way that, you know, I would have chosen, but it's been such an anchor and such a gift to be able to have uh, faith to pull me through, not just my experience with addiction, but also what life has to throw at you. It's such a, um, it's like having a new, uh, sense of security somehow. And, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, it does strengthen, you know, if, if you open yourself up to letting go of control over something like this, because you don't have control over it uh, and pull in, you know, support from different ways that that was a gift for me. I'm hearing that that might be a gift for you as well. Like the strengthening of that and the, the strengthening of this sort of confidence that, you can put your faith there and, and let this thing unfold, you know, it is a comfort and it's an ongoing comfort. I, I, I listen to our, our group sessions, especially on Tuesday nights at the all support group meetings. And uh, our leader said, you know what, life would be so much better if everybody worked a 12 step program and you don't even have to be addicted to something. And I thought, wow, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's so true to know yourself better and, and to use um, the, you know, the vast experience that comes from 12-step programs and the kinds of programs that Hope Sheds Light offers. But unfortunately for me, I lost my father a year and a half ago and I lost my mother just last month. And so not unexpected, they you know, were both in there. Um, my father was 89 and my mother was 90. So it you know, wasn't totally unexpected, but my faith that is strong certainly has helped me through that. And you know, to not be as sad as I would have you know, right. years ago. So you can use these things that you learn in all walks of your life and how to treat people just, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people are having a bad day and, and you might feel like, well, you know, that's something that's, you know, a, against me that they're, you know, being angry or mad or something. But the truth is we don't really know what's going on underneath and what they're experiencing. And I, I think the message that I have seen is that everybody knows someone who is touched by addiction. And so let's be kind. 
Oh, that's such a great, great message to end on. It's very true. And let's be kind. Um, I'd like to wrap up. I And uh, we started, as I mentioned, the podcast during the COVID pandemic and in a way to help bring a heightened awareness to self-care and self-care management you know, practices. Do you have a particular self-care practice that you, um, that you use to help you through life? You know, I, I do, and I am an avid fan of yoga and have, have been practicing for, oh gosh, about 20 years now. So I regularly practice yoga and through the pandemic, because the, sh- the studios were shut down and, you know, we couldn't uh, see anybody. Um, I did a lot of um, YouTube videos for this woman uh-huh. in California and one in Arizona. And so I stuck with my yoga routine the entire time we were on lockdown or whatever we called our wonderful 2020. <laughs> so I am, I am a strong fan of uh, yoga practice. And I also have been uh, starting to do meditation separate from yoga. Both programs are offered um, at Hope Sheds Light. I practice yoga separately uh, because I'm here in Manahawken, but I, I do come up to Tom's River on Wednesday nights for yoga and just the spiritual and physical connections for yoga are, are very good to me. That's great. I, I, I do a lot of meditation. I'm a, I'm a beginner at yoga, um, but I just love, um, I love my meditation practice. It really does help me as well. So Allison, I just, I want to thank you so much for uh, getting vulnerable with us and being courageous um, for the, you know, to be kind to other people, you know, sometimes that's a courageous step. Um, and I look forward, actually, I get, I'm blessed because I get to see you, uh, you know, pretty regularly at Hope Sheds Light. Um, and I just look forward to that next time I get to see your smiley face. And again, thank you for joining us on um, the Rise with Hope podcast. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too, Allison. Thank you for joining us today on the Hope Sheds Light Rise with Hope podcast and the Recovery Speak series. If you are enjoying Rise with Hope, you can join us by subscribing on iTunes. The Recovery Speak series is supported by Monmouth Cares of Monmouth County and the Ocean County Health Department. We really want to hear from you. Please send in your comments, share your stories with us. Let us see how recovery is working in your life and in your communities. You can visit us at hopeshedslight.org. Have a great day, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Rise with Hope.